The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our military who are serving in remote outposts and listening over the Internet today. I also want to take a moment to welcome new listeners tuning in on radio affiliates in New York, Florida, California, Texas, Missouri, Ohio, and across all 50 states, including the beautiful islands of Hawaii. Thank you for making us part of your news week. In just a moment, best-selling author and popular columnist for the Washington Post, Dana Milbank, will be joining us to break down some of the advantages, disadvantages, and the challenges the candidates face in the 2016 contest for the White House. It's been a busy week in the primaries, and it is becoming increasingly clear that two insurgent candidates, Trump and Sanders, have thrown a wrench in the works for the establishment of both political parties. In the next hour, we're going to talk about whether all this disruption is a good thing and why record numbers of voters have been showing up for the primaries. But before Mr. Billbank joins us, As is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Dana Timothy Milbank is a graduate of Yale University. He spent years covering the U.S. Congress for the Wall Street Journal and two years as the senior editor of The New Republic before joining The Washington Post in 2000. Milbank is known for his insightful coverage of the 2000 and 2004 presidential elections and for covering President Bush's first term in office, during which, the story goes, Karl Rove asked the Post not to assign Milbank to the White House. As anyone who regularly reads Milbank's columns and articles knows, Milbank calls it the way he sees it, and that doesn't have to suit everyone. I would be remiss if I did not add that Milbank is the author of four best-selling books, Smash Mouth, Homo Politicus, Tears of a Clown, and O is for Obama. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report popular columnist for the Washington Post, Mr. Dana Milbank. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Milbank. My pleasure to be with you. After being taken by surprise by Trump and Sanders, both parties seem to be trying to figure out how to deal with the popularity of non-traditional candidates. So let's start with Trump's success. In a recent editorial, you claimed he was running a Captain Underpants campaign. (laughs) For folks who may not have already read your piece, tell us why you call it Captain Underpants and uh, why that's succeeding. Well, I, what I did was, uh, you know, if you've, if you've noticed uh, listening to Donald Trump, he tends to use simple words, simple phrases, uh, uh, just short declarative sentences. Uh, doesn't say a whole lot, um, but uh, uh, so I just I sort of put it to a test. There's a, uh, something called the Flesch-Kincaid measure that you can uh, tell what uh, reading comprehension uh, level somebody's speaking at. I did it during the last uh, debate, but I've attached it to speeches as, as well. You've got you know somebody like uh, Marco Rubio, uh, Ben Carson when he was in the race uh, at sort of a tenth, eleventh grade level. You have. Uh, uh, people like uh, Ted Cruz, John Kasich, still on sort of the middle middle school level, and then you've got uh, Donald Trump down there in third grade. Um, and I think uh, you know, so that's where uh, Captain Underpants uh, comes in because that's sort of at the third grade uh, reading level. Um, uh, so I I, I I said that not entirely disparagingly because I think that is why uh, uh, he's connecting with a lot of people and he's uh, bringing a lot of people in who have felt. Uh, disaffected before, you know, it's been it's a bit of a stereotype to say he appeals to uh, 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 sort of the poor, white, less educated, 
uh, Americans uh, in, in rural areas. That, obviously, his support goes beyond that, uh, but there is a very strong core of support there. And I think it's because he's uh, uh, speaking at a very basic level. He's not really giving uh, complex answers to America's problems. He's not really giving any answer to America's problems. He's just sort of uh, giving uh, a few words that, that sounds tough and confident. And for a lot of people, they just want to be told that it's going to be all right. And uh, uh, he's telling them that. Mm-hmm. Well, as you point out, he uses simple words, simple sentences, and simple concepts, which just about everybody can relate to, I think, that's past third grade. Right. You can uh, say, let's, yeah. let's, you know, what's your answer to immigration? Let's build a wall. Sure, that sounds uh, terrific. And, you know, let's uh, bomb the uh, expletive out of uh, ISIS. That sounds great. Of course, none of this necessarily works, but it gives people a sense that, uh, yeah, he's got a plan. Well, now, let's look at the Democratic candidates. Uh, Sanders is also presenting simpler concepts and also using somewhat simpler words and sentences than Clinton. Uh, His answers during the primary debates certainly seem to leave a lot less up to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think think both uh, Clinton and uh, Sanders have been... Uh, operating at a somewhat uh, uh, higher level, both in terms of their, you know, the comprehension uh, level, but uh, uh, but also in terms of uh, you know, sort of the highbrow uh, nature uh, of their campaign. Uh, you know, Sanders uh, has been. I wouldn't say they're simple proposals. I would say they may be simplistic in the sense that you know. Uh, he would say, sure, why not spend $15 trillion on uh, a new uh, health care plan? You know, why not have this uh, major tax increase? Why not have uh, a free college education uh, for all Americans? And why not uh, expand Social Security? They all sound like great things. Like, who could object to that, except that, you know, it, you know actually getting it done is, you know, somewhere beyond uh, impossible. So that's, uh, 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 he has some similarities uh, uh, to Trump, and that they're they're both uh, clearly unhappy with the status quo. Uh, the, the advantage that Trump has is a lot more Republicans are unhappy with the status quo than Democrats are unhappy, and I think that's why Trump has caught on to a greater extent than Sanders has. So, in your view, are we seeing a dumbing down of politics, and how dangerous is this when the nature of our problems at home and also abroad have, in fact, become much more complex and difficult to solve? You know, I'm not. I, I don't want to say it's you know uh, it's a dumbing down because it's you know it's not as if there was ever some you know golden age when uh, you know we were all operating at some uh, Socratic level of uh, of discourse. Uh, certainly, uh, the coarseness of the of, of politics has deteriorated. I would say you know over the last uh, uh, thirty years or so, uh, and it seems to accelerate and accelerate and you know reach all corners of. Uh, uh, not only Washington, uh, but the country now. So, you know, certainly Trump is uh, giving uh, simple ideas with, in very, with very simple language, but obviously it's, it's a very clever uh, campaign. He reinvented himself entirely to, uh, from what he had uh, said and done before. But uh, none of our problems are simple. Yeah, well, we don't have any simple problems or they would have been solved. This is true. The problem is when you get, so I, I think you could say, John Kasich uh, is out there, you know, sort of uh, saying, "All right, let's be reasonable. Here's a, uh, uh, here's a, you know, this is a complex problem. Here's a complex solution." It doesn't seem to catch on, so people are looking uh, for uh, either easy answers or easy sounding answers, or they just want to be reassured in some way. So I'm not. It, it's it's a subtle, subtly different from uh, dumbing down. I do think people want. Uh, certainly in campaigns to hear uh, easier answers and nuance uh, really can be quite deadly and that's that's I think that a lot of that's been the beef with uh, Hillary Clinton and and was with Jeb Bush but we have all these wonderful educational tools like YouTube for example I've never understood why these presidential uh, candidates don't make a plan to put out put out like 30 minute or 1 hour youtube videos explaining what the problem is and all the nuances i mean maybe television and radio are not the right venue to address highly complex problems or to educate people uh but certainly there's other venues you can use yeah, and certainly that sounds like a, a good idea. Now, in fairness to these candidates, uh, or most of them anyway, 
there are extensive policy positions out there if you go to their their websites. Uh, it doesn't seem to break through in in in, in the media, you know, and certainly in the uh, the cable news and the uh, well, sure because we give everybody uh, one minute. <laughs> of course, if that you're you're lucky to get one minute, so uh, uh, that may be our fault uh, in the media as much as anything, or just the sort of the popular culture appetite rather than the candidates not having. Well, there you go. We're we're cooperating with that uh, sort of uh, headline mentality. We have to stop and take a short break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Dana Milbank. You're listening to the Costa Report. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated the five-year anniversary of their tasting room. During the celebration, we spoke to Gary Caraccioli, owner of Caraccioli Cellars. Great winery, great vineyard. We got it all. They're so good because we got a great staff. Michelle, my son Scott, all our gals. We're in a great location, and we're here in Carmel, a beautiful spot. I'm really basically a produce farmer, and I grow lettuce for a living. And then I've seen all the other guys getting into making bottles of wine that didn't really know what they were doing in my area, so I decided that I'm going to do something different and make some sparkling wine. And I got lucky, and I got Michelle. He's the man. You bet. And, and the Pinot and the Chardonnay are great, and that's what we use. All we needed was a good guy to put it all together. I like to make people happy, smile, show their dimples. Can't make people laugh. Life's boring. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea, or find us online at caracciolicellars.com, or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722. On November 2, 2015, President Obama signed into law a controversial budget bill that will make two popular Social Security claiming strategies for couples obsolete. Are you between the ages of 60 and 67? Whether you are a baby boomer, married, divorced, or single, these changes to Social Security benefits may affect your retirement plan. Please join us for an informational meeting on the recent changes to Social Security benefits and how they may affect you on Saturday, March the 12th at 10 o'clock a.m. at the Best Western Seacliff Inn in Aptos. Call Croxall Capital Planning at 831-661-4006 or email us through our website at croxallcapital.com to reserve your spot. Seating is limited, so RSVP today. That's Croxall, C-R-O-X-A-L-L, Capital.com, or call us at 831-661-4006 to reserve your seat. Security and advisory services offered through National Planning Corporation, NPC. Member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Consulting and investment management offered through Croxall Capital Planning, CCP. NPC, CCP, and Prudential are separate and unrelated companies. Matthew Homa is not a representative of NPC. So you finally decided to start taking a vitamin supplement. Those chewables and tablets are fine if you don't mind paying for something that is only absorbed about 4 to 6%. However, a liquid supplement can have a 90% absorption rate if you choose the right one. Longevity offers a wide variety of liquid supplements with a 90% absorption rate or more. Beyond Tangy Tangerine may be the best one ever invented. It starts as a liquid that is freeze-dried like those instant coffees into a crystal. Then all you have to do is add a couple of scoops to water. No refrigeration, no fuss, no mess. Not only do you get a complete multiple vitamin, Beyond Tangy Tangerine also has minerals, and it tastes fantastic. You'll want to drink it all day long. So the next time you reach for a vitamin supplement, reach for Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity. For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is author and popular Washington Post columnist Dana Milbank. And before the break, we were talking about the fact that simple language and simple, easy solutions seem to be what voters are attracted to this election. And candidates that have opted for more elaborate explanations have not done as well. So now let's try to break down the advantages and disadvantages the current lineup of candidates have, starting with Hillary Clinton. In a recent article, you make the point that there's a double standard at play when it comes to how she presents herself and just how tricky it is for a woman to show strength and leadership and at the same time be likable. Can you speak to that for a moment? Uh, yes, well, I, I, I probably can't as, as, as well as uh, uh, women could, but I, I you know, talk to people in this, uh, in this field and you know, try to understand uh, uh, the, the perspective on, on, on what this is about. And, uh, you know, it, what brought this up was the Bernie bros, the, you know, the notion that there was uh, uh, sexism at play in the, in the Clinton-Sanders race. I don't think, you know, sort of the overt sexism is uh, that, huge a factor uh, uh, in that race. Um, but uh, what is a factor is the much subtler version of that. So, you know, and people often don't think about it. It's not even conscious on many levels. But, you know, for example, when, you know, Bernie Sanders shouts or Donald Trump or anybody else shouts, you sense that they're being passionate. Uh, but when Hillary Clinton shouts, it sounds like she's screaming at you, that she's yelling at you. People feel like they're being uh, uh, lectured by their mother, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, and there, there are other subtle uh, ways in which uh, uh, this comes up uh, uh, in the campaign. You know, there's a trade-off for Hillary Clinton in terms of uh, showing warmth and showing uh, strength. Uh, the trade-off doesn't necessarily exist because this, the strength is more assumed uh, for a male candidate. And the, the sort of the tougher she presents herself as a leader, uh, the less likable. Uh, she uh, becomes. So it's uh, the, the ways in which a lot of us don't actually ever think about it uh, gives her some uh, disadvantage. Of course, you know, running as the, the uh, to be the first uh, woman who's president of the United States uh, uh, also has a, a history-making uh, uh, capacity that uh, works to her advantage. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's very, very tough to show strength and leadership and also to be likable. I always admired Ann Richards in that you knew she was a very tough woman, but she seemed to use humor better than Clinton. You know, she had a wicked sense of um, wit and humor, and she got away with a lot. <laughs> yep. It's interesting when you think of, you know, Margaret Thatcher, another uh, paradigm there. Very rarely raised her voice, but had a razor uh, sharp wit. Uh, Clinton can be funny, but does, is certainly not known uh, for her sense of humor. Uh, so that may, you know, that's less, maybe less a gender issue than just a personality uh, uh, issue uh, in her case. Um, but you know, uh, uh, she does seem to have uh, uh, beaten back the Sanders challenge uh, for the most part. So I wouldn't say she solved this. Uh, uh, conundrum, but uh, I, I think they're they're very aware of it, and they're you know looking for ways for her to show uh, passion without uh, shouting, looking for ways for her to show uh, strength without sacrificing uh, a sense of warmth. Mm-hmm. Likeability, yeah. Now, another issue which commentators are looking at is how much she has recently aligned herself with President Obama, and whether that's a good idea or not. Come the national election, what do you say? Well, it was certainly a good idea in the primaries uh, because you know, President Obama has a support of you know, something north of 85% of Democrats, and that's the uh, audience that uh, Sanders and Clinton were uh, trying to appeal to. So uh, you know, that was very smart politics in the, uh, in the primary. Now, in a, in a general election, that becomes a different story because uh, she does not want to be seen as sort of the, uh, the candidate of the status quo because Americans, by and large, are disenchanted and think the country is on the, uh, on the wrong path. The Democrats less so, but the, but the country as a whole and those independent voters that she's going to need uh, to win over uh, do not feel that things are headed in the right direction. So, uh, uh, it's, so it's going to be a, a, more, a more delicate balancing act for her as, uh, as she goes into a general election. On the other hand, you've pointed out that uh, in 2008, the losses to the Democratic Party were staggering. 69 seats in the House, 
13 Senate seats, 910 state legislature seats, 11 governorships. In this respect, uh, this this looks to be a party that's in trouble. Uh, you would wonder why you would associate with Obama and what advantages you would think would come from that. Right. Well, there are two ways of, of looking at it. And, um, right, all those laws you say are since uh, 2008, and that's following. Yes. 2006, uh-huh. 2008 were good years for the Democrats, so that was, you know, with the, with the 2008 election was sort of a, a high watermark. And there have been pretty, there's been pretty serious deterioration since then. Uh, now, some of that is a backlash that, that you would expect against uh, the President Obamacare. Um, but I think there's uh, another thing that's going on is the Democrats really didn't, uh, the party as a whole really didn't put much effort uh, uh, into its uh, local and state structures and, uh, you know, keeping the party healthy at, uh, at the basic level. Uh, o- Obama basically set up his own operation and was not helping uh, with party building at all, and it, things really fell apart. Clinton is seeking uh, to rebuild that now, and they better do that because uh, if uh, they don't re- uh, reach some sense of equilibrium in the state legislatures and the governorships, uh, then when the next round of redistricting comes up after uh, 2020, uh, it's, it's very likely the Republicans will be able to cement their hold uh, on the House of Representatives uh, for another decade. So uh, they're, they're really very high stakes here. Now, the good news for the Democratic Party is they seem, you know, demographically, uh, and, you know, when you look at the whole electorate, to be in a much better place in terms of you know, where the population is growing and in terms of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, minorities, uh, young people. Uh, so you, you, it certainly, uh, uh, the Democratic Party enjoys a much better uh, future if they're able to manage it um, uh, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the local level better than they have been. Mm-hmm. Now, what about these things like releasing the transcripts of Goldman Sachs and other speeches that she was paid for and the possibility of legal action regarding the emails and the investigation into the Clinton Foundation. How, how many of these issues that are, seem to be looming in the background do you think are going to play any kind of a role, or is that just saber-rattling on the part of the GOP? Well, I mean, we don't know, obviously. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple of things there. I think when you're talking about, you know, the Goldman Sachs speeches and, and you, know, you know, speech money from Wall Street, uh, that's not going to be a very enduring uh, issue. Certainly if, uh, if the opposition is Donald Trump, it's, you know, it's sort of going to go away. Um, uh, you know, the, the email issue is an entirely different story because nobody, uh, except perhaps for uh, 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 Comey at the uh, FBI and some of his investigators, know what's going to happen there. And it is entirely possible that they will uh, uh, make recommendation to the Justice Department sometime uh, before this election uh, to uh, have a further investigation of uh, Clinton and or uh, others uh, involved in the email server. So there's no telling how that could uh, uh, alter the course uh, of the election. Uh, it, uh, could, it could certainly fire up the opposition. It could also uh, fire up uh, uh, Clinton supporters who would, who would say, you know, the, the timing is unfair. Mm-hmm. Well, we, you're certainly right about one thing. Everyone is guessing in terms of uh, what will happen and whether the FBI will file an action or not. Uh, I guess we just have to wait and see. Uh, we have to take another short break. When we return, we'll find out what other challenges the candidates face. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and and drag drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? 
This is Sylvia Panetta inviting you to join us for the Leon Panetta 2016 Lecture Series. This year, Secretary Panetta will discuss an America in Renaissance or Decline, the challenges facing a new president. On Monday, March 14th, we'll focus on war, terrorism, and other global threats with national security expert Mike Rogers, Ambassador Wendy Sherman, and former Army Chief of Staff General Ray Odierno. What makes a strong Commander-in-Chief? Call 831-582-4200 for tickets. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. What? Why? Just wait for the inheritance. We've definitely got a rich uncle somewhere. We're one call away from the winner's circle at the Derby, dinners with multiple forks, a vacation home in the country, using summer as a verb. You don't actually think that, do you? When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. It must be, it has to be, with that big sound it's gotta be, KSCO. Okay, it's high time we made the official announcement. KSCO, your favorite radio station, has now entered the TV business. And what a TV station we've picked up. It's KYMB, and you can receive its signal free over the air on channel 27.1 on your digital television. We are also available on channel 19 on any Comcast cable system in the Monterey Bay area. KYMB is me TV for the Monterey Bay. And you may already be familiar with this immensely successful TV network that features Almost every great classic TV show from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know, shows like Bonanza, Perry Mason, Mary Tyler Moore, The Rifleman, Happy Days, and many, many, many more. So, KYMB, MeTV Monterey Bay, is now powered by KSCO, and we have 120 commercial minutes to fill each day on this wonderful channel that has a huge audience. See, don't just hear our unique KSCO content. Pharmacist Ben Health Nuggets, KSCO Show Promos, K's Classic Commentaries, Spots for longevity health products and business opportunities, and maybe even commercials for existing KSCO advertisers. Hang on to your seats. KSCO is headed for the stratosphere. Tune in and join us free on air at channel 27.1 and Comcast channel 19. Has anybody told you about Coast to Coast AM tonight? We've had the industrial revolution, then the digital revolution. So what's next? I'm George Norrie. Join me with the trends expert, Gerald Salente. As we talk about the next big thing, followed by those special midweek open lines on Coast to Coast AM. It's the best in overnight talk radio, Coast to Coast AM. Listen to Coast to Coast tonight, beginning at 10 p.m. on KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Dana Milbank. And before the break, we were talking about some of the challenges candidate Clinton faces, which includes the difficulty of showing strength and likability as a woman, as well as some of the issues like the email controversy, which are looming in the background. On the other hand, uh, you have pointed out that Clinton has raised substantially more money than Sanders. Is that right? Um, well, she has, particularly when you consider uh, the, the super PACs, which uh, Sanders doesn't particularly compete in that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you you use some number like twenty six thousand to one. Is that is that right, or that's what I remember? Well, this is where we're talking specifically about what she has raised uh, for the party. So yes. both candidates, both yeah, candidates, for the Democratic Party, right? Both candidates signed up uh, to have joint fundraising. Uh, agreements with the Democratic National Committee and the uh, state parties, uh, and uh, yes, uh, Clinton raised uh, about 26 million uh, as of maybe a month ago. Uh, and at, at first glance, you would say Bernie Sanders raised 1,000 dollars. Although if you actually check that out, it was that was that thousand dollars was something the DNC actually put into the account to open it up. So he raised zero <laughs> uh, uh, for the Democratic Party, and this I think is why a lot of the uh, you know the much maligned Democratic establishment and the, the Democratic elites are concerned that uh, uh, he would not uh, care about rebuilding the party the way uh, Clinton clearly does. You know, well, sure, uh, she's. Uh, you, I think what you said was she has raised twenty-six million dollars for the Democratic Party and Bernie Sanders zero. 
He has right. no interest in, in raising uh, money for the Democratic Party. No, I mean, and, you know, and in fairness, he has done, you know, raise money for uh, Senate Democrats and, you know, uh, at, at, uh, at various points during uh, uh, his career. Uh, but it does seem to be the same sort of thing that uh, happened under Obama. He was uh, very successful, but was not very good for the party and I think allowed the party infrastructure uh, to crumble. And they're now suffering as a result of that. So uh, I think a lot of the sort of uh, Democratic infrastructure here in, in Washington uh, was saying that we can't, you know, have another standard bearer who, uh, uh, who lets things uh, uh, continue to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about some of the reasons for Trump's appeal, and since he's the front runner, let's talk about the disadvantages that he might face securing the Republican nomination. What, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, he's, he's obviously in a uh, prohibitively uh, uh, a strong uh, position right now. Uh, in, in terms of his march uh, toward the nomination, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's certainly discouraging to somebody like me who thought that uh, you know, given the various uh, uh, bigoted and racist things he had said and done, that that he was not going to get that kind of a, a broad uh, appeal among uh, uh, Republican voters. How wrong you were! Yeah, no, <laughs> I think it, it's it you know what? It's the first time I can say that to you. <laughs> I read right. all well, your columns, and right. I'm thinking well, to myself, how could you be so wrong? <laughs> uh, well, I do. I mean, I, I get things wrong all the time, but um, <laughs> but what uh, what what wasn't really occurring to me there was that uh, he could win the nomination without getting a majority of uh, Republican uh, voters, and that's still what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, most of them don't want Trump. The problem is they've never settled on an alternative. You, you never had... Uh, enough people drop out of the race so that uh, they were given a clear alternative, candidate X or Trump. Uh, and I'm confident if they were given that opportunity, candidate X or Trump, uh, they would uh, uh, they would not choose Trump. Now you see some of this too little, too late effort going on now with uh, Mitt Romney taking off after Trump. You have uh, sort of the uh, uh, national security Republican experts coming out and saying what a disaster. Though uh, to your point, yeah, to your point, Romney did not endorse a candidate. Uh, right. Well, Romney's hoping that he'll be the candidate, that, uh, that Trump won't have enough delegates when they get to convention. They'll be looking for some white knight to step in, and he'll be happy to do that. Well, sure he would be, but... Uh, you think uh, it's going to be a brokered convention and Romney you know, will step in as the hero? Uh, I, I don't think that. I mean, people, uh, you never know. You could be right. Uh, you could be right always, about that because he deliberately be right did not. Well, well, he didn't endorse a candidate, <laughs> and that certainly left a big door open. Right. No, that clearly he's trying to preserve his options uh, right now, so that uh, you know he's willing to step in uh, in that case. Uh, it's you know Trump may get uh, uh, the number of delegates he needs, and in which case the issue is moot. And the other thing is, you know, if he doesn't get all of the delegates, he's still going to be in a better position than anybody else. And uh, you know, Republicans are in a, uh, a no-win situation here. If they go with Trump, they're going to alienate all kinds of uh, moderates as well as some conservatives who uh, you know think he is a fraud. Uh, and if they somehow manage to boot Trump out, well, they're going to have a, a huge uh, swath of uh, disenchanted uh, people, Trump supporters, who are probably not going to uh, uh, go with uh, whoever the Republican nominee is. So they're looking at a divided party um, either way. Well, I call those Trump supporters that'll be disenfranchised independents. <laughs> I uh, think they'll that fl- may well that, be right. Well, they'll say the 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 parties are wired, and and they'll they'll quit, and they'll become independents. And okay. you know that's what I I think I think the independent party will only grow stronger as a result of this election if the uh, establishment of both parties don't handle it correctly. Let's talk about Cruz and Rubio. Uh, you know, as much as they've been accusing Cruz's dirty tricks, uh, pulling dirty tricks on Carson and Trump and Rubio, about the only criticism you hear about Rudy, Rubio is that he sweats too much on stage. Yeah. <laughs> that that seems so minor. I, I don't I don't hear any substantial criticisms of him. Um, he's certainly, I, I think, uh, much less polarizing um, than uh, than Trump or Cruz. Uh, I have no doubt that he'd be a far better uh, general election candidate and would 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 cause a whole lot of trouble uh, for Hillary Clinton. Uh, but it does not appear that uh, Republicans are going to uh, are going to give him that chance. You know, it, they were ready to give him that chance, and you remember in the uh, debate in New Hampshire, he had that awful moment that uh, and Chris Christie put him on the spot. And he just kept repeating the same uh, t- uh, talking point. With, 
basically nonsensical talking point over and over again. Um, and I don't think he ever entirely recovered from that. That was sort of his moment in the spotlight after he did fairly well uh, in Iowa, and people were giving him a fresh look and said, well, maybe this guy's not entirely ready for prime time. Maybe he's too young. Uh, did okay in uh, 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 South Carolina, but it does not appear that uh, he caught fire again. And, you know, you don't get a second chance to uh, to make a first impression. Uh, so when you, when they're talking about him uh, sweating or gulping water, that's all about him being, you know, too... Uh, not ready for uh, prime time. Exactly. So that's yeah. shorthand for saying yeah. he's, just, he's not ready. Yeah, how about Governor Kasich? Well, he'd be a terrific... Uh, uh, nominee, I'd probably be a terrific president. Uh, you know, it, he's sort of got the uh, John Huntsman problem from last time around. That you know, he is probably the favorite of the uh, 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 the elites and the media and the intelligentsia. But uh, that's not who elects the president, and it's not done in a, a smoke-filled room. But uh, you know, it, yes, it would be uh, very logical for uh, uh, Republicans to select the governor of Ohio, that, that crucial state, who's got this. Uh, terrific long-time uh, record in, in Washington and in his state. Uh, and it's a deeply conservative, but also reasonable on, you know, things such as the uh, the Medicaid expansion. Uh, but that's just not how the Republican primary politics is working these days. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he tried to... Uh, uh, basically, run to the to the left of the others, and there's just there's just no room for that in the Republican primary. It's interesting. This week, I happen to be in Ohio. I'm broadcasting out of Ohio and connecting with the station in California, uh, and then we from here we go up to satellite to all the uh, affiliates across the country. And it was very interesting because I had a chance to ask people in Ohio, and they don't think Kasich will carry Ohio. <laughs> Ohio the people who live in Ohio don't think that they're going to carry them and I, and when I asked why they said because uh the fracking brought in a lot of wealth into the country and what happened was a lot of people who had never experienced wealth before who had farms and so on and so forth thought that they became wealthy but then they got slammed with taxes new taxes and uh, that just really put Kasich in a bad light around here that could be. I mean, it's interesting. You know, that, yeah, I mean, that, that's one theory. I think the, the, the bigger theory is that uh, Kasich's just taking a beating so much elsewhere in the country <laughs> yeah. that they don't no longer seem as viable even at home. Yeah, yeah. Well, they think Trump's going to take Ohio, so we will see. We have to take our final intermission. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash big data. Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated their fifth anniversary of their tasting room. This is what Enophiles had to say. My name is Samantha Cooper. The wines are so beautifully crafted, and they're, they're, you take so much time and effort that goes into making it uh, four years to make one bottle of wine, and they're just beautifully crafted, and they come out so amazing. My favorite would have to be the Brut Rosé. It's very near and dear to my heart. It was my wedding wine, actually. They loved it. Edmund Benich. Uh, I love the cuvee. I love the sparkle. It tickles my nose. Sarah Hines. I've been drinking Caraccioli for five years, and I love it. You know, I am across the board on this. I've been drinking their sparkling wine for some time, and I love them all. I entertain a lot. I enjoy entertaining using the Caraccioli wines. 
Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722. KSCO is a proud sponsor of Fire in the Heart, Cabrillo Theater Arts Evening of World Theater, March 5th at 7.30 p.m. at the Crocker Theater. Award-winning national and local artists explore how the arts become a catalyst for resilience in times of trouble using gospel, hip-hop, classical music, spoken word, film, and dance. Tickets at www.cabriovapa.com. That's www.cabriovapa.com. Or call 479-6154. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electro-synth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Michael Olson's second law of the food chain. The farther we go from the source of our food, the less control we have over what's in our food. Now that so much of our food comes from thousands of miles away, we should all get together Saturday at 9 a.m. as the Food Chain Radio Show tracks down who is putting what in our food. If you have a comment about the second law of the food chain, tell me. Michael Olson, all about it at MetroFarm.com. Now, see you all on KSEO Saturday at 9 a.m. for some What's Eating What Radio on the Food Chain. What day was that? Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Dana Milbank of the Washington Post. One of the latest controversies is over Supreme the Supreme Court seat left open by the passing of Justice Scalia. And recently you made the point that this may be a dangerous trap for the Republican Party because the issues that 75% of Americans cite as their top priority, terrorism and the economy, are also issues that Americans feel the GOP does a better job at. So to the extent they get distracted, uh, it may cost them. Is that right? You know, if you look at economic uh, anxiety... Uh, which is a very important uh, issue in the country. Uh, you would think the election would be fought on those terms, uh, economic anxiety and uh, uh, anxiety about uh, national security. And uh, you know, polls indicate that uh, Republicans do better on both of those. But now you have the Senate Republicans basically saying that they want to make uh, November election a referendum and, and decide uh, by the election who gets that uh, ninth seat on the Supreme Court. Well, that makes it a sort of a culture war uh, election. It's going to be about uh, uh, gay marriage and abortion and guns. And if you just sort of look at the uh, the social issues overall, the Democrats are the ones uh, who seem to have the advantage there. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of talk now about how the, the, the Senate uh, Republicans' stance on this has uh, uh, put their Senate majority uh, in peril. Uh, it, it's not so much the idea that they wouldn't approve uh, one of uh, President Obama's agree with you more. I have to tell you that even if that was the plan, why announce it? Just keep your big fat mouth shut. (laughs) They they were under, I mean, they were under some pressure from conservatives in the base to do that, but they could have said, we'll see who he sends up, and then they could have done the slow walk and, you know, eventually voted that person down and uh, and said, here, we have X, Y, and Z reasons for doing it, and sure enough, then you're at the election and and, and you're done, but... uh, 
uh, they wanted to make their stand here, and uh, uh, that delights some conservatives, and that will uh, fire up some of their supporters. But uh, you know, it's always a bit of a chess match in terms of whether you fire up your guys or the other guys more. Right. Well, the man that you claim is launching the Captain Underpants campaign, he's, he kind of seemed to hit the nail on the head when he suggested that the only course of action the GOP should take is delay, delay, delay. <laughs> and, right. uh, you know, and that, that seemed to be that what their strategy was going to be. But I, I just couldn't understand what person would announce that. Yeah, at, uh, you know, usually you're, you know, you're always blaming the other side for delaying and they're denying it. So this is a rare time in which one side is actually owning that they, there's an official uh, strategy of delay, and that is uh, controversial. And if uh, you know the, the, the past is any indication that uh, voters will not uh, look kindly on that, but you know, uh, uh, it, despite their best efforts to make this a culture war election, it's still going to be a lot about uh, economic anxiety and 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 there. Uh, you know, the, the and security. Not been in yeah. the White. Yes, and, the, and, the, and there, the party that's not been in the White House for the last eight years can have an advantage. Mm-hmm. Now, before we run out of time, I want to ask you about how you say you vote. I read that it's your habit to write in the best presidential candidate that is not on the ballot. So along those lines, who's on your short list for consideration this year? Well, see, um, I'll have to see, uh, uh, you know, where we are later in the year. But, you know, you know, we, I was just uh, talking about uh, Kasich, uh, assuming he's not uh, fulfilling some vice presidential role or uh, nominee or something like that. He'd be the kind of guy. Um, uh, or maybe, There's no uh, question he has an amazing track record. Talk about economy and terrorism. This is a guy with an incredible track record in both those areas. Uh, he does, um, um, but that does not, you know, to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning, he doesn't, you know, he's not just declaring simple, easy solutions, and uh, people aren't able to uh, uh, grasp onto what he's offering. So, uh, and who knows, maybe if Mitt Romney doesn't run, then I could uh, I could vote for him this time. So, so uh, the two candidates that would might be on your short list this year would be uh, Kasich and Romney, maybe. A couple of them, yeah. I've already done Bloomberg, so I don't feel like I can write him in again. <laughs> you can't. So you have a rule: you can't write in twice. I don't know, but if you if you feel otherwise, I'm I'm open to uh, to to change that. It's, it's I'm very flexible on this. See, I live in the District of Columbia, so you know the mm-hmm. Democrat gets ninety percent of the vote anyway, so it hardly matters who I vote for. Yeah, you know, not long ago, I uh, Ralph Nader was on the program, and I asked him if it was unpatriotic if you really, really don't support either candidate. Is it unpatriotic not to vote? And, of course, Nader, who has higher standards than any other human being on the planet, said, yes, you have to vote your conscience. And, uh, you know, after which I went and I did a lot of research on voting your conscience. And he said, you have to write in your candidate, you know. And I did all this research and only found two cases where a write-in candidate ever won in U.S. history and uh, and it was interesting. They they were really odd cases. One case, uh, someone had died in the middle of their term as a representative or something like that. I, I don't remember the specifics now. And a lot of states don't have the write-in option anymore. They got rid uh, well, of it. Well, that's a shame. We do we do have that in D.C. and uh, uh, often you know in other elections, I'll write in friends and family or my pet. But I think it's very important for somebody to at least. <laughs> Get out there and vote. That's your obligation. And I, I agree with Ralph Nader on this. I did not agree with him in 2000, and we've fought about this ever since because I, yes. think, he, uh, I think he denied uh, Al Gore the election. Well, I, I, that's, there's no question about that he did, uh, but he certainly is a great American patriot re- regardless. No you know, in, in, yeah. Lastly, do you have a web page or a social media site where listeners can go to get more information about your columns, books, well, and your I'm activities? On, uh, it's uh, uh, Facebook uh, 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 slash Dana Milbank, and um, I'm, my Twitter handle is at Milbank. At Millbank. Oh, well, I'm afraid that's all the time that we have today. But before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for your always insightful political coverage and also for making the time to be with us today. Thank uh, you, Mr. Millbank. Very happy to do so. Thank you. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Dana Milbank today, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. 
more and more the 2016 election looks like it's going to be a contest between Trump and Clinton. And this will be a real test as to whether having the support of powerful party insiders has the clout it once had. On the one hand, Clinton is the party favorite with many more superdelegates than Sanders and also raising much more money for the Democratic Party by a factor of 26,000 to one. <laughs> and on the other hand, Trump has no support from the GOP establishment, and he does—he seems to be doing just fine. What do you think? Send your comments to our contact page at RebeccaCosta.com. And if you happen to miss the full interview with Dana Milbank, remember you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, from Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. And if you haven't been to our website yet, we'll do that right now because it is chocked full of videos and book reviews and blogs and breaking news and all you have to do to enjoy all of it at no cost is just go to RebeccaCosta.com. Be sure to check out our new blogs on our interviews with Ralph Nader and Coulter and Steve Karnacki and pass those links on to your friend Friends, and while you're at the website, don't miss the opportunity to visit our bookstore where we have carefully curated books which are guaranteed to inform and provoke critical thinking. And the best part of all is when you click on any book on the bookstore page, it will straight take you straight over to Amazon.com. And when you go through our book page to get to Amazon, you help support intelligent programming like you heard today. Amazon pays the Costa Report a small percentage of everything and anything you purchase on Amazon when you get to Amazon through our book page. No matter what you order, they pay a royalty to the Costa Report and it won't cost you one red cent. So please, before you order socks, a printer cartridge, a gift, or a book from Amazon, make a new habit to go to RebeccaCosta.com and click on any book on the bookstore page. It's a simple, free way to support the folks who bring you quality guests like Dana Milbank. My guest next week is former Senator of Arkansas, Mark Pryor. He'll be here to talk about why Arkansas has become an important state to watch in the 2016 national election. Don't miss Senator Mark Pryor next week, right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management Thank you.